You are listening to Grit and Grace. My name is Taverly, and I am here for deep soul level conversations and connections about spirituality to step into a deeper understanding of what lies on the other side of the veil. As a social impact entrepreneur, founder of the Moon Temple Mystery School, high priestess and ritualist, I am shining a light on walking the awakening path and how it weaves into our daily lives. I invite you to take a deep breath, leave what you know at the door, and step into the mysteries with me. This is Taver Lee, and you are listening to Grit and Grace. And sometimes I have these really interesting experiences where I meet the most fascinating, spiritually gifted, wise women in my path. And when I have the chance to do that, I bring them to you because I know that the information they have to share with you is so profound. And today's guest is one of them, and she is an archetypal astrologer, an Akashic Records reader, and it has a PhD in mental health. And we are going to go deep today. So help me welcome Dr. Francis Yahia. Did I say that right? Yes, you did. Thank you, Tamara. I was like, Yahia. I like the Yahia. Uh, so welcome to the show. Thank you for being here. Thank you for having me. This is great. There are so many places we could go. <laughs> I, I I laugh because you're you're one of the people that I know that if we were to spend lots of time together, we would just weave like all these fabulous threads and tapestries of sharing. So we're going to try to do that for our listeners today, but in, in a fashion that is digestible. Um, so I thought that we could start with a little bit about your experience in working with archetypes. Absolutely. So I'm going to start with the astrology chart because it really is sort of the best place to start with archetypes. And if you ever look at your chart, you see all the planets and those are what I call the psychological organs. And that's how I view archetypes. So archetypes are living energies that we all have. And so the houses, the signs, the placements on the chart is how you're going to live out each individual archetype. So when you Mm. look at your chart, there's a few things. You have three overriding archetypes that are going to be your main ones, your sun, moon, and your ascendant. Those three planets that rule your sun, moon, and ascendant have a communication going on in your psyche all the time. So, for instance, so we so we were born with that is what you're saying is yes. we were born at a specific place and time that has um, and I'm saying archetypes I know you say archetypes so if I say it wrong <laughs> forgive me fine. Um, it's the same <laughs> I'm Cuban and I chop letters off so <laughs> <laughs> that's that, that I love that okay so um, so we were born with our our moon and our sun and our rising sign all in a specific place. And so there are archetypes assigned to those places when we're born. So we have this innately in us is what you're saying. And this story is playing out in our psyche. Right. So what I do is I take the sun, moon, and ascendant of a, of a client and I tell them what myth or what story they're living out. My preference is Greek mythology. So I usually go to the Greek myths, but I've studied Hindu myths, Babylonian myths. So whatever you're into, but the Greek myths are really set up for the archetypes, for the way we do Western astrology, because all of the archetypes are linked to one of the Olympians or one of the Titans. So it's Mm -hmm. kind of like a really easy framework of 12. I actually have what's called a spiritual adulting brain map, and it's the list of the 12 archetypes in order as we ascend through our spiritual path. 
It starts mm. with the white moon and it ends with the black moon Lilith. So what you said about wise women and and crones and witches and all the great things that we're all into, that really is at the highest vibration where we want to where we want to reach archetypally. So we're kind of on this spiritual ladder. And I can have that um, available free to your listeners. I have a bunch of workbooks and free things on my website, and that will be available. So you can actually see that brain map of how the order of the archetypes go in a ladder for ascension in your spiritual path, if you're living them in high vibration. So I'll speak Amazing. to the consciousness in a moment. And I will make sure that anything that you reference today in terms of links, information, um, what's coming, like what you have, all of that's going to be in the show notes. For everybody that's listening, you know that you're going to be able to find all of this information in the show notes. So stay with us. Don't worry about taking your pen and paper out. <laughs> and I also want to preface for everyone listening that I have provided Dr. Yahia with my uh, my information. So she has all of my birth information. So we're going to be using me as an example for how this plays out. And so I'm excited. So we'll start with your sun, your moon, and your ascendant. So your Sagittarius sun is ruled by Jupiter. And Jupiter, Zeus, is the god of Olympus, the king of Olympus. So from a vibrational or an archetypal way, you're going to live that out. Now, let me explain. Every archetype has four levels of consciousness, low level consciousness and high level consciousness. And I will provide a chart of all the signs and archetypes and each of the four levels. So, and are you, and is, sorry, the low, is the low level consciousness, would that be associated with the shadow side of that archetype? It's oftentimes the shadow side, what we would judge as the shadow. So one mm. of the shadow aspects of a uh, Sagittarius or Jupiter would be like perhaps gluttony for looking at the deadly sins or the vices. Mm. So a, a, a thematic with Sagittarius, and we all have every sign and every archetype. So this is by no means selective to you. It's for whoever, wherever you have that. You're going to be a seeker. There's going to be a, a shadow aspect of an escape artist. So perhaps the seeker that never stops seeking to become the sage in, in Capricorn. Mm. And so you start seeing these themes. So planning, loving to travel, teaching, philosophizing. These are sort of archetypal energies around Zeus and around Jupiter or Sagittarius. And you have a stellium in your fifth house, I think, of like five planets. So it's <laughs> going to be a very, very concentrated placement for you to live out the archetype. What's beautiful about your chart is it's in the fifth house. And the fifth house is a house of individuation. And so for you to become individuated, for you to sort of create in the world you're using as you are, this Sagittarius or this Jupiter, Zeus, Olympian archetype to show up in the world. So that's a high vibration manifestation of that. Rather than escaping, you're showing up and you're teaching through it. So we get to use these and, and we're going to use the different vibrations in different situations. So it's not like every single time you use your energy, it's always high vibration. Mm -hmm. This is an example. Mm -hmm. So the next thing is the moon and your moon is in Libra. So the moon has a very interesting archetypal facet to it. The moon is actually a trick. The moon changes its faces every day, every other day. This is a very shadow aspect of our psyche, no matter what the moon sign, in how we attempt 
to get our needs met because they were not met in the womb or in childhood. Mm. So you'll put on the Venus archetype, which rules Libra, to get your needs met. Mm. Now, lucky you (laughs) that (laughs) Jupiter and Venus like each other. And that's a good combo. So, so far we haven't found any sort of dissonance in the psyche. If the three big three don't get along archetypally, they will create some incongruence or some sort of um, inner struggle. But Jupiter and, and Venus or Aphrodite do get along. And so you'll see that sort of show up as a, as a congruence in your personality. But the moon is extremely important to talk about because we all love the moon and we're fascinated by the moon, but it is a shadow aspect for every one of us. So I have a book coming out later this year called The Shadow Side of the Mother's Love, and it's linked Mm. to the moon sign. You can go on my website. There is a very detailed workbook, moon phase, moon sign, everything that it means, all of the characteristics from the shadow and the light. It's very intense because this is where we learn attachment style that then shows up in our relationships in love and even at work. So Mm. knowing your moon archetype, the shadow side specifically, is extremely important. Okay, let me ask you a question. Um, And I'm laughing because I literally have named my business after the moon because it's Moon Temple Mystery School. (laughs) And I'm I'm laughing and I'm laughing because I I am very comfortable and confident in working in not just my own shadow, but in the shadows of others. I know that that's part of what I do. And when I think about what you're sharing with me, just in, in my own case, there is so much here that you've already said in this very short period of time. So I know that this is like really impactful work. So I'm going to save my questions to the end, but I'm already, I'm already just giving you big validation that everything you're saying is, um, yep. <laughs> I, I mean, people can't see me. They can only hear me, but you can see me. I'm like, uh, yeah, uh, yeah, yep, so yep, in yep. In your yep. particular chart, one of the reasons why you do feel comfortable with the shadow is that you have a Pluto archetype, which is the shadow, the underground, the underworld, conjunct your moon. So anything that is next to your sun and anything that is next to your moon is like a tattooed archetype, an additional layer. Mm. And so having the Pluto conjunct the moon, I know that you're sort of drawn into the shadows as a way that you teach because it's your third house. Mm. So it's a beautiful manifestation (laughs) of all that sad energy. And you don't have any earth in your chart, but that Pluto moon actually grounds you. Because it keeps you real. It keeps you realistic. It keeps you embodied in this flawed flesh where if you didn't have that particular conjunction, you could be very flighty and very uncentered with all that Sagittarius. So these are living energies and they dictate. And we are all exactly who we're supposed to be. And and that was the first lesson I understood when I started learning astrology. But when you start seeing the planets as archetypes, as psychological organs that every single one of us have, but they just play out in our life differently. And I'll speak to the voices in a moment. Then you start understanding the things you think, the things you value, the things you resonate with are exactly appropriate for you. And so astrology is just so validating in that, in that Mm -hmm. expression. Right. Then your ascendant, 
Your ascendant is interesting because in mundane terms, the ascendant is the mask that we wear, the personality, maybe our body type. Actually, the ascendant is the energy in which we can transmute and raise the low-level consciousness from the moment of conception, which is when we get the subconscious, namely in the moon sign. So the way you raise your low vibration consciousness inherited at the moment of conception, this is when we inherit our low vibration consciousness from our parents, the answer is the ascendant at the high vibration. And yours Mm -hmm. is cancer. So a low vibration cancer energy, very sentimental, very attached, perhaps very traditional, stuck in the past. But a high vibration is understanding that there's a space for perhaps tradition and memory and family, but it's not that you're stuck in what I call the honeypot. Cancer in the heavens, in astronomy, is a constellation called praesipi. Praesipi is the Latin word for manger and why Jesus was born in a manger because all of us are born in a manger, a.k.a. low-level consciousness, tropic of cancer, the family, honeypot that we can't get out of and individuate. So this is where your chart gets interesting. You have this very strong Jupiter, Zeus, Sagittarius archetype in the fifth. Individuate, Taverly, individuate. Get out, go on your own, leave the, the leave the tribe. Yep. yep. But then you've got this ascendant that says, no, 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 no. C- come back, come back. <laughs> mm. You gotta honor that cancer ascendant somehow in order for you to raise your vibration and transmute your consciousness level. So that is a, that's a little bit of a confusion. And this is what we see with archetypes. So I have termed the way that the archetypes talk to one another, or the psychological organs or the planets, collaborative voices or competitive voices. So for those of you who know astrology, trines and sextiles are going to be collaborative voices. Those are not trouble spots. Those are assets that we have, really good coping skills or strengths. Mm -hmm. The ones that really pose the problem, squares, oppositions, and quincuxes. So I'll talk about that for a moment. The archetypes that are squared are always going to create an inner conflict, a self-betrayal, and a self-hatred. They're going to be internalized as problems that you have that you think alienate or separate you from the rest of the world, as -hmm. if nobody else shares this experience or this shadow aspect. So they're directly going to inflict pain and suffering onto you. Those are harder, ironically, than the oppositions. Why? Oppositions are viewed as externalized. You're at work, The boss calls you in, writes you up. Oh, he doesn't like me. He's picking on me. There is an externalization of that archetype outside of your psyche. So now you have a visual representation of, let's say, that boss. Clearly, that's an authority problem. Authority archetype is Saturn. Your Saturn is conflicted. 
there's an issue. It could be a 10th house problem. And you start Mm -hmm. breaking it down because you have this mirror showing you what's going on in your head. So squares are harder because you have to be very, very cognizant of your thoughts. And I have a really simple technique I call the personal TED Talk to help people identify the inner voices that are self-destructive. The oppositions are provided by another to help us see what's going on in ourselves. But the, the squares need some help. Because it's all internalized. Nobody's doing anything to us but ourselves. Right. And so I'm just going to pause there and tell everyone that's listening, if you don't know your chart, do you have a a recommendation of where people can go to get their chart? Because they can like just pause this, you know, pause this for a second, go look up your chart and and then come back and you'll, you'll know exactly what she's speaking about. Absolutely. And and let me add to that. So CoStar, I know is an app that's very popular that has a chart. Where I send most clients that want to chart is what's called astrolab.com, and it's A-S-T-R-O-L-A-B-E.com. They will give you some reports, but what I invite you to look at, and this is very easy, you can go to the internet and Google astrology glyphs, G-L-Y-P-H-S, astrology glyphs or planetary glyphs. That's all you need to know. You're going to see the Venus symbols, a circle with the cross. You're going to see where it is on your chart. You're going to see the Saturn. It looks like a cross with an H. You're going to, that's all you need. There's 12. That's Okay. Gotcha. Okay. So that's very easy. You don't have to kind of understand the chart, but you'll know, and you could put on your paper, oh, this is Venus. This is Saturn. This is Uranus. Yes. Got it. And, and then they can identify the squares, which is where you were at, like talking about the squares. Absolutely. And most of these programs will give you a free report what planets are square and opposite and quincux. Okay. The third one is what's called a quincux. This is actually a minor aspect, but it is a competitive voice. And it's important to discuss for two reasons. A lot of us that are very drawn to the esoteric world, we have problems with our physical body. We judge the earth. We judge our our physical We are really enamored by the transcendental. Mm. And so if we want to be divine, there is no way to manifest the divinity if it's not through our humanity, which is our body. And that's why I want to talk about the quincux for a moment, because the quincux is illness. When there is a planet, in particular, your sun or your moon, quincux another planet it can lead to illness. I had breast cancer for five years. And what it was, was it was trying to get me to embody my humanity instead of be destructive towards my body, recognize my body was the vehicle or the vessel in which I come to do this divine work. Mm -hmm. And so I see that in practice a lot with people. So you're like me, you have no earth. You have no earth in your chart. I have one. And so when you see this recurrence, when you have a gap of an element in your chart, you're going to overcompensate that element. And it could be positive or negative. It could be in a light or a shadow aspect. Interesting that you say that many people that are 
listening have heard me talk about this before, but I literally have half of the organs that I was born with. I have had 12 major surgeries. I've had a tumor removed from my breast. I was born with my legs wrapped around each other like pretzels. So I had repair on the bottom of my foot. You know, my organs have grown tumors and failed and I'm, I'm fine. I'm totally <laughs> healthy and fine. But um, when you bring up that health aspect and the lack of earth in my chart, and we're going to talk about the elements later, but um, yeah, I, I, I have never received anything even remotely close to understanding for somebody that takes very good care of myself, like why I was born with just, I was just born that way. I mean, struggling physically has been a way of life for me and yet I'm always still healthy and fine, but it, you know, it's been a journey. And so what that is, that's your psychic structure. We all have an element that's lacking or overcompensated in the chart. And we also have the cusp of the 12th house. So that's the sign right beyond the the ascendant. So yours is Gemini. That speaks to two things. The element right above the ascendant, if cancer is water, right before that is air, your psychic structure is linked to validation, rational thought, and intellect. And so (laughs) you're going to want to stay in the sort of dissociated realm, intellectual space, the wind, the air, no one can grab me. Mm. And so the only way. (laughs) (laughs) Wait, I just need to laugh for a minute. (laughs) Okay, 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 keep going. (laughs) The only way that, that the universe, let's say, or Taverly can come and do all that beautiful Sagittarius, great, wonderful stuff in the fifth, which is all creative energy, is if she's embodied. And since you just don't naturally migrate to an earth, because you have no earth element, then you create earth crisis to force you and remind you that you are in the body and Mm. you can only do your divine work in the earthly realm. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Like I have so many spiritual mentors, friends, sisters that are going to listen to this and say, yep, we know. (laughs) (laughs) Beautiful. That is such a beautiful explanation. I love it. Yes. So I have a term for the, the two sort of big groups of people You have those of us like us that are really attracted to the transcendental. We're kind of like transcendental narcissists. And I say this in a lighthearted way. I'm not talking about narcissistic personality disorder. And then you have others that are tribal narcissists. So they're linked more to the body pleasures or pleasure is pain where we, and of course being, you know, burned at the stake and stoned and and Mm -hmm. all of the witch sort of history that we drag along with us, we have, instead of pleasure as pain, we have pain as pleasure. And so Mm. we tend to live in the higher chakras. We like the light and the divine. And so life teaches us to embody the earthly or what's called the centaur, the animal nature. Whereas those that are more tribal and attached to their things, perhaps, and their wealth and their labels will then go seeking the divine, will have a crisis, and all of a sudden start seeking the transcendent. And so we're always crisscrossing on the ladder. And it's the third chakra, which is the fire element, where we all meet. 
because fire is the only element that the human is in charge of. We are not in charge of any other element. So you have an overabundance of fire. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so you need to bring in earth element to keep that toned down. So it's a nice bonfire where many can be served rather than, let's say, a California fire, which is destructive. And that'll be mm-hmm. a big part of your archetypal lessons in this particular lifetime. And illness is there oh, yeah. to support you to balance the fire within the container that somewhere subconsciously you refuse to have. Wow. I'm wowed. (laughs) (laughs) I'm wowed. Okay. So let's talk about the elements for a moment. Like how, how does that, like, how does that fit in and, and where does the structure and I mean, and how did you learn this part? Um, and then I'm going to get into how you apply this in your practice, but I want to talk about like learning the elements because I actually do a lot of work and ritual with the elements. I feel really, really powerfully called to embrace the different aspects of elements and balance now at this stage in my life. Wasn't always that way for, you know, mm-hmm. as it is for all of us, it's always a journey. Tell us a little bit about how you got to that place of, and where does this information come on elements in the chart? So you can do your elemental signature. It's very easy. You count up all of your air, earth, fire, and water. So I did yours. You have four fire. And I'll explain because different people do it differently. And I'll explain why I gave you the numbers I gave you. You have one water, you have zero earth, and you have five air. So you have, first of all, we break down the elements into masculine and feminine polarity. Fire and air are the masculine polarity and water and earth are the feminine. So you have nine of the 10, because there's 10 the way I do it, in the masculine and no earth. So the one water, (laughs) like really trying really hard. (laughs) This is so me. I mean, you're just hitting the nail on the head. I'm laughing because I I just, I I know how many people are going to listen to this and say, yep, yep. Yep. (laughs) So this is very easy for everyone to do. And usually Mm. the chart breaks it down. But the chart has little, um, the signs, all of the signs have a color. So light blue are the air, dark blue is the water, green or brown Mm. is earth, and red is fire. And you just have to count them up. Now, there's only 10. Some different astrologers do it differently. I'm going to tell you the way I do it. I stick to the 10 classical planets, and that's it. So we do moon, Sun, Mars, Mercury, Venus, Jupiter, Saturn, Uranus, Pluto. And who am I missing? Uranus. Mm -hmm. So those 10, oh, Neptune, I'm sorry, Neptune. Those 10 planets is all we use. Some astrologers will give double to the ascendant, double to the sun, some to the midheaven. I stick to the 10 because I do archetypal astrology and it's very uh, intentional. Okay. Those 10 will design your psyche. Remember, I'm working with the psyche. Mm-hmm. So your psychic structure, not only do I know from your 12th house cusp is air, your elemental breakdown now reaffirms that one of your archetypal structures is, I don't want to be tied down. I don't want to be had. I don't want to be caught. 
So what's the shadow side of excess air dissociation? Mm. And so you spread, spread, spread thin so that no one really has you ever in quantity always. <laughs> it's a control mechanism, right? <laughs> yep. Mm-hmm. Okay. And so that's one of the ways. The fire, the fire is power. And fire, like I said before, is the only element, and I'll explain why in a moment, that humans have control over. And this is really where our power resides. But but power is a very scary thing. You could do a zero and play small and sit on the sidelines, which you're not going to do with all that fire. Or you can go overboard and burn things and people in the way if you want to so badly not be caught or attached, Mm. that is one way that you can burn through, so to speak, when you don't have a container like water or earth to hold you down because water Uh puts out some of the fire, earth contains some of the fire. So Mm. that's going to be, as you've stated earlier, one of the learning lessons that you have in this life. That's where your ascendant is going to help you. That's why I said it's saying fire, 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 go, go individuate. But something in your psyche is saying No, for you to fully raise your consciousness, for you to truly transmute your belief system about being quote unquote caught or attached or controlled, you need to go back to the high version or the high uh, level uh, consciousness of cancer, which Mm -hmm. that there is some tribe, which obviously is is in your work where there are women, that's a a feminine aspect Mm -hmm family, maybe some tradition, small things, but you have those in your ceremonies, in your moon school. So you are living that out because you can't be go, 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 and then have a moon school. They're contradictory. Right. So you have found a really nice, beautiful way to merge that incongruence. And that really is what the chart provides. It says, here are the aspects, the fragments. Let's piece you together. And your job in this life is to find the coolest, most creative way to put all these pieces of this vase together mm. and look what you've made. Amazing. I love I love the way that you've just described that. And that makes so much sense to me because it's a process, right, of living to actually put those pieces together. And so my question is, is it is it common for people to go through the different phases of their life to experience, okay, this is out of balance here and then course correct. And then this is out of balance here, even if they don't know that that's what they're doing. I mean, we're having this conversation now about it and I can reflect upon it. But in the moment, I of course was, you know, in all of my reiterations, I like to say my death and rebirth cycles in this lifetime, I wouldn't have known that at the time, but is it, is it different for everyone in how the timeline unfolds when they put those pieces together? So that's a really great question. I have a book coming out that's called Spiritual Adulting, where I take you from conception to death and every single cycle and how you are guided by the universe through these archetypes throughout your entire life. So the short answer is 48 to 52 years old tends to be the time where you're like, oh, I get it. <laughs> I, I, may, <laughs> I, I'm, I'm, I may be turning 48 in literally like a month, just okay. saying. I, I, I might be. Not that I'm giving anybody my birthday, but I'm getting close to turning 48. <laughs> That's the short answer. You're constantly in these swings. So what happens with these archetypes? The, the competitive ones. They talk in a very negative way. Inner dialogue, 
creating problems and conflict internally as well as externally with the oppositions, the queen cucks. So these, this follows a law. It's the law of rhythm in, mm. in metaphysics. And the law states that the swing of the pendulum to the right is equal to the law of the swing of the pendulum to the left. So I call this the zero to 100 swings. And we have zero to 100 swings. But every seven years, we have what I call a skinny cow. A skinny, a cow. skinny cow is what I call a neutralizer that comes to neutralize those swings. You can actually track from 7, 14, 21, 28, 35, your entire life based on these skinny cows, exactly the 0, the 100, the 48 to 52, which is the neutralizer. Next, 0, 100, 48 to 52. And you are guided in those big swings every seven years. I call them skinny cows based on a story in the Bible from Joseph and the Technicolor dream coat when the Pharaoh has a dream. And he's like, the seven fat cows are eaten by the seven skinny cows. The fat cows are Jupiter or the archetype of Sagittarius. That's abundance. That's growth. That's gluttony. Things are great. I'm high as a hog. I'm a fat cow. And then Saturn comes and swallows Jupiter. And what is differential is that Pluto, I mean, uh, Jupiter is 12 years. Saturn is seven years. And 12 minus seven is five. Five is the number of spiritual growth. Five is the number, fifth house, that all your planets are in, of individuation. Five is the curvature. If you've ever seen the curvature of a pineapple or a flower, that's rooted in what's called the Fibonacci code in nature. That curvature of fruits or flowers is a mathematical number, and it's five. So growth, all growth is a differential between 12 minus seven is five. So fat cows are eaten by the skinny cows. The fat cows are those sort of swings. I'm feeling great. I'm feeling good. I'm going here. I'm going there. All or none. Living that sort of youthful life. The skinny cow comes and swallows you and redirects you. Nope, that swing isn't good for you. Puts you on your path. You have another swing. Saturn comes and puts you on your path. That archetype of Saturn is the Saturn of spiritual growth, of spiritual adulting, of boundaries, of limits, of owning your power, which is the one that you have probably used to keep all that fire contained unknowingly. Mm. It's those neutralizers of those swings through Saturn. That's why Saturn's considered the alchemical planet or the archetype known as the wise man or the cynics. Because he's the one that teaches us to bend and be supple and be humble. And we can't be all fast and fierce and furious like we were in our 20s. <laughs> mm. So 48 to 52 is another archetype. It's the archetype of the centaur that is known as Chiron. So on your chart, you'll see it looks like a green key, literally looks like a key. And Chiron, and this will segue into the fire element in a moment. Uh, Chiron was the teacher to all the gods' children. He was half animal and half human, as are we. Our lower nature, so our tribal sort of narcissistic nature, the earthly world, this, this vehicle that we need that's flawed, and the divinity 
that is the human aspect of Chiron come together. And that is the archetype that at 48 to 52 years old comes back home. It returns back home to self. That's why those years are really the years that we start saying, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. Uh... And that happens all in the third chakra because the animal nature of Chiron, his his horse bottom and his human nature meet at the third chakra. And there's two Uh, very important things there. The first message is your power and your fire is in your lower nature. The third chakra is your lower nature. The first three chakras. It is not out of the body. It is not in your divinity. It's in your low level animal consciousness and your shadow. So you got to get real comfortable with that in order to own your power. That's the first thing. So I'm going to segue back to your element question to bring you back to fire being the only one that we're in control of. In any creation cosmology, Akash is the ether. It's sort of the universal consciousness. From there, the rest of the world is created. Air, fire, water, earth. At the moment of conception, you are conceived on air. Your parents have a thought. They have a subconscious mind that they give to you and you inherit and this is everybody. Not everybody. you're not just referring to me. This is everybody. Okay, everybody. keep going. Yeah. Nobody has control. We do spiritually, but that's for another day. Mm-hmm. Of that thought that you inherit. Your parents are having sex. Mom's thinking about cooking dinner. Dad's pissed that he didn't get the the job that day. Whatever it is. That's your air element. You have no control of your thoughts. All you could do is learn to learn to view your thoughts, deconstruct them and process them. Air is given to you. Next is fire. We'll get there in a second. Then is water. Water is an emotion. You got one emotion during pregnancy. Your mom felt a certain way. She was hormonal. She was sick. She was vomiting. She was cranky. She was hot. She taught you that love is that emotion. Mine was hopelessness. With Mm. your moon, it probably was something linked to the hostess with the mostest and people pleasing and serving others and denying her own needs. So I, you will may, show up that have, way. I may have mentioned to you that my parents were living with a whole bunch of other couples at the time when my mom was pregnant with me, like a lot of other couples, like there were other women and men. And I, I lightly use the word commune because it wasn't really a commune, but it was commune style living. Okay. Like that's, that is, so that's, your, that's, <laughs> that's your me in the womb. <laughs> okay. So you have no control over that water element. I'm not talking about the sign. I'm talking about the energy of, of the emotion. And then you have no control over the body because your parents' genetics gave you your mm-hmm. flesh. You have control of one element, and it is the fire element in the third chakra, how you show up in the world in your power. So in mythology, Prometheus, if you've ever been to New York City, there's this big, gold, beautiful statue of Prometheus in Rockefeller Center, and he's holding a torch. Prometheus stole the fire from the gods. And he was severely punished. What happened was he understood that if human beings had fire, forget about staying warm and cooking our food. He understood that if we had the power that the fire element gave us 
which was to set a boundary, say no, show up in the world with courage, that we would become gods. And Mm. he was punished and tied to a rock for eternity because he was a god. He was immortal. And fire is the only element we are in control of. Whether you have a lot of fire or little fire in your chart, you have a third chakra, which is where humanity and divinity, your horse low-level consciousness, and your high-level divine consciousness or humanity meets in the third chakra. So I have a lot of theories and worksheets and all of this is free on my website about your throne and your kingdom and manning your fires. There's this beautiful goddess. She's one of the Olympians named Hestia from the Greek mythology. And Hestia was never allowed to go and leave the Agora because she was in charge of the fires. All the other cults and mysteries were happening around. She could never leave. People would bring her cake or food or drink and, and bless her, but she had to man her fires. So when you man your fires and you know your place and you own your fire appropriately, you don't take anyone's power and you don't give your power, you are in self-love, in self-worth, what I call the 48 to 52, even if you're not 48 to 52 years old. It's a metaphor for being in that exact balance and slowing those swings at any age of your life. Wow. I'm, I'm, there's so much to unpack there. I, I want to, I, I mean, there's so much, it's so good. I love that the mythology is so weaved into this. There's so, I mean, it's so magical the way that you are teaching this information. So talk to me a little bit about what it's like, because I know we've touched a little bit on me, but a lot of general and mm-hmm. you have just basically given everyone permission and accountability to own that your fire and which is your power, what you give and what you, what you take is in your hands. Like you've given people permission and accountability. Because there's no such thing as selflessness. There's only self or selfish. Selfish is if you take power from another or you give your power. Self is when you hold yourself accountable man your fires, say no. And then what you're doing is you're mirroring for the other that they have permission to do that for themselves. To do the same. And then mm. on and on and on. Ooh, I feel like that is the purpose of why I do what I do, right? Is to show people exactly what you've just said, mm-hmm. is that they're in charge of their own power, of their own self. And... I can't, I, I can't even explain how my body feels because I'm connecting to my body. So much of what you're saying is like resonating true. It's like, ching, 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 like all the way through me. It's like, oh, I just got all the ancient mysteries like re-upped in a different way in my body. And my body's like, oh, okay. Sounds familiar. Yeah. Yeah. And you'll find this interesting and you may or may not know this, but my social media handles are all called Athena in my blood. So I was initiated as Athena, um, as a high priestess, which of course was born out of Zeus's head, yes. right out of his <laughs> intellect, which is air. <laughs> well, and what's so great. Okay. So you, your big three, you've got Aphrodite. Mm. Aphrodite <laughs> doesn't have a mother. Okay. 
Aphrodite is actually born from a castration of Uranus. Her mother, talk about living in a commune, okay? Her mother is the ocean. Her mother is the conch shell. The ocean is all mothers, all of it. The the, the communal energy of, of emotion is that. So that's one of your big three. Then you have Artemis, which is the the goddess for your cancer archetype, who is Zeus is her father and Leto is her, her, her human mother. And then Zeus being Sagittarius is your other god. So you have a compilation of Zeus, Aphrodite and Artemis. And so that mythology is how you're going to live out. And so when you name yourself Athena being the daughter, the rightful daughter of, of Zeus, the one he claimed that's on Olympus with him. Mm-hmm. All the others, no, because Zeus had many children. <laughs> mm-hmm. And that was his prize. The wisdom, the strategy, and the blood is a combination of fire and air elements <laughs> brought into the earthly form. That I'm dying over here. My I'm, I'm dying over here. I'm dying over here. People have been asking me for years, why do you use the handle Athena in my blood? And I'm like, because spiritually, that's what she told me to do. And I didn't know. Now you just explained it. Oh, my goodness gracious. Oh, it's really warm. I'm really warm. The fire in the air in the chart with the moon sort of container of wow. the blood, which carries the lineage of mother, father, ancestry. That is wow. indeed your name. And so wow. that myth is repeated over and over and over again. So those big three and that, that myth that I, you know, explain to people in their chart, then the archetypes and the voices and how they talk to one another are constantly confirming that story. They're in function of the myth that you're living and you are here to personalize that myth. I have a hashtag that's no new stories. We're all living out a story that has been written in some mythology, but the way you do it is only original to you. Yeah. I know some people might be triggered by that, that there's no new stories I because they, they feel so individual or alone on their path, which is why, for me, I study the mythology a lot. I bring it into all my teachings in the limited amount that that I can, but I think that there's so much to explore in mythology. I feel like it's so important. It's it's our history. It's in our You're explaining it in a way that makes so much sense. Um, okay, I know we're getting close to time, so I want to... I just want to say that this is powerful, powerful work. And so we've only touched the tip of the iceberg at, you know, you've just used a little bit of my information as an example, but I know that when you work with people, you go so super deep deep in what's, in what's possible, right? And it explains so much. And it also gives them that feeling of coming back home to where they belong. Like it's the validation, it's the belongingness that you belong right here and now for a reason. And so tell people how can they find you? Like, how can they work with you? And we'll put it all in the show notes, but explain to people sure. what that's like. So my website is dryahia.com. You can reach out for a session if you want on the contact me page. On my website, there is a tab of workbooks. If you are looking to work through your shadow or subconscious or archetypes individually, there's a workbook. If you want to work through relationship, if you want to work through family, if you want to work with your moon, Mm -hmm. I've got tons of workbooks. Those are all linked to actual books that are in production that will be out within the next few months. 
And so those are all the workbooks that are attached to the back of those books and you don't have to buy them. My YouTube channel is amazing. I have hundreds and hundreds of hours. I'm a college professor. I own a metaphysics college where I put these lectures on all these archetypes, astrology, mythology, philosophy, metaphysics, everything on my YouTube. And you can just Google my name, Dr. Francis. We'll put the link in. I've watched a ton of your videos. They really are amazing. Yeah, I'll I'll put the link in the show notes. And then I have, if you're just starting on your path or you have certain steps, but you're trying to get complete on your path, there are 12 truths to any spiritual path. So on my Patreon page, I have the 12 truths. It comes with a workbook and one video on each truth. There is a a wisdom sort of knowledge piece. There's an application piece where I give activities. There's mythology. There's symbology in each of the steps so that you and whatever tradition you already subscribe to, every tradition has these 12 truths. And so this is just the way I wove them into the Hercules labors and the astrology wheel And I go very deep into the symbology and mythology of each of the steps and why, for instance, you said a moment ago, feeling lonely. That's true. Ten. There is a Mm -hmm. space for that, an explanation. So all of these things that everyone is feeling, they have an order to them. They have a reason. And I explain that on those 12 truths to the spiritual path on my Patreon. If you want to study these teachings, I have a college called the Hidden Truths College of Metaphysics. We are going to be sending people your way. This is this awesome. is absolutely amazing. I can't thank you enough for the work you're doing in this world, not just here on the show, but overall the amount of humans whose lives you are changing and and like it's it's like you're giving such value like right off the bat just even in this conversation. So the value and service you're doing to the world, I'm putting my hands together and giving you a deep bow. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Thank you. This thank has been you. such a pleasure. Oh my gosh, this has been so much fun. I'm still hot, by the way. I'm like, my body is like, ching, ching. I'm still, I'm highly activated in the moment. So this is just a taste of what it's like for those listening. You want to, you want to get that activation and that knowledge, check her out. We'll put all the information in the show notes. Thank you for listening. And if you love this show, we ask that you please share it, share with a friend, share it on social media, you know, give it to someone else so they have the chance to learn and that helps us reach more people. So thank you for listening and we will be back. Thank you for joining us today. On any of your favorite listening apps, we would really appreciate a rating and review. And if you're looking for more information, make sure that you go to moontempleschool.com and you can find us there. 